Welcome to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters, and I am, as always, your host, Doug Winters. Today is episode 23. I get a chance to sit down with my old friend, the brilliant and creative Susan Holland. I've been lucky enough to work with Susan uh, hand in hand with me doing the music and her doing everything else on dozens of parties over the years, various events, weddings, corporate parties, and she has never yet failed to dazzle me with her creativity and her brilliance. So, um, as you could tell, I'm quite fond of Susan, and we might as well just jump right into the conversation. We're sitting in her office in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It's about 25 minutes long, so I'll catch you on the other side. Okay, bye. Do you like to be called a party planner, an event no. coordinator? <laughs> I think event designer of all of those. You know, it's like catering. It's one of those words. Right. It just has a yeah, you know a word I hate? Vendor. Vendor. <laughs> well, like vendor and like when thing, when, when, well, I don't know what the word was before, but when artists and artisans and workers became vendors, when spaces became venues. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> when, when spaces became venues. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, what I think started this whole industry, which didn't exist until the 70s, maybe even the 80s. I mean, there was nothing called event planning. Really? No. The, the first... Yeah, because I wasn't in it. We must have come in around the same time, like 90? When did you start? 90? No, I, I had my first catering company in New York in the late 70s. It's glorious foods, I think, that really right. that changed the whole industry. Because if if people of means entertained either at their clubs, but you know, the, it was like lunch. It was like going to city hall and lunch. It wasn't like everybody having you know big wedding. You know, bar mitzvahs weren't the same. Although, don't you find that? Well, of course, what people dance to obviously changes over decades. Yeah. Even even the the mix across the eras, maybe now instead of starting with the fifties, starts with the seventies. Yes. Because the grandparents even right. like grew up listening to seventies. Listen, when I started so, in the nineties, you couldn't go a night without playing a good solid twenty minute Sinatra exactly. swing Great exactly. American Songbook. I actually think that that generation right. because, died off. Don't you, I mean, I find that people generally dance to the music that they dance to when they were in college. That everyone thinks that their taste in music is more contemporary than it really is. Like parents always think that they really dance to the same music as their kids do. They do right. not dance to because we could get everybody. If I need to move the adults like off the dance floor, we just have to play something that the kids are listening <laughs> to. It's like put that music on and yeah. So, so the same thing I think with brides and grooms, particularly brides and grooms that are in their like twenties or thirties. By the time it's like second marriages or third marriages or late, you know, really late marriages, marriages in their 40s, there's not, there's not the same goal to, to have an expectation that you're like relevant. I'm working with a bride now who made a really interesting distinction in choosing photographers between 
a, I mean, you were not, you remember, because we were like at the beginning of like journalism, like it, the real thing. So, so that has, you know, kind of dominated yeah. photography. Everyone says that they're a journalist. But she wanted an aspirational wedding, which is really like what Christian Auth does. I mean, there are others. But the idea that your wedding should look like, not what it looks like, but what you would want it to look like, <laughs> if you could. <laughs> Even with brides that can, you know, that can, or their families can produce a wedding that's in, you know, the multi- They can spend the money. Hundreds of, yeah, they yeah, can spend, yeah. It, there's, it's still their aspiration, and I think it's why a lot of those weddings look the same, whether they're taking place in Sonoma or Tuscany or in the city or in the Hamptons. Or, it's still you know, people there's a gathered kind of around like a and look. then dancing. And drinking. Yes. And it's still the same that you're feeding people. It's like joyous. They're gathering. They're eating. They're dancing. But I don't think that that the expectation of weddings, even that there's such a word as a... Maybe worse than being called a party planner is being called, being called like my party planner. Like not even with a name, right? Oh, god. This is my party planner. Like oh, people oh, say, god, this yeah. is my hairdresser. This is my maid. or this Like as if you exist only... In, in relationship to them in that moment, as opposed to, this is Susan Holland, she's an event designer, and she's working with me. That's right, a different, exactly. That's a different understand. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't introduce somebody as my... My party planner. It no. sounds like my hairdresser. Right. But I, but I think that the, I mean, that the pressure of, of perfection is extraordinarily more exerted on, like, a modern bride than it was... I mean, in my generation, was really like the beginning of not getting married. 60s right. and 70s, I really thought that we were, certainly that there wouldn't be like bridal gowns and people dressed all the same. And The thing that surprises me is the formality of the white dress. Who gets married without living with someone? So the concept of a virginal white dress is kind of funny. Well, and on, and on second and third, I've done a few where I've done the bride or the groom, their second or yeah. third, in addition to doing their first. Right, right, right. Which is like really weird because I wouldn't feel like you would want to bring any of it along with you. There's a, a wealthy New York industrialist, well, whatever, you know, from the finance, and I did three of his four weddings. <laughs> and I don't think that you would want to be, this is the, you know, my party planner or my event from my, uh, my next wedding. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah, now yeah, going to yeah, be yeah, doing yeah. this wedding. Or you now, remember her? She, she was did, from... She did the last two. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. That's weird, but... That is weird. I did one where someone had gotten married two years later. Nicest couple. Uh, the groom called me and said, hi, I'm, I'm getting married again. And we just realized it was, it was just not a good fit. We were better friends than, you know, partners. And, and so, matter of fact, I'm inviting her to the, to the wedding. So it's they called me to that. I mean, me. that's, you know, but this was But wasn't... he remembered loving the music. So he yeah, I remember. It was only two years. It was only two years of... I think one of the things, well, there's a, there are some things that are kind of like consistent anxieties and or in or, a certain way consistent realities about weddings as, you know, kind of like whatever age or whatever gender or whatever mixture of genders, it's, the, it's that, that with the 
I don't know, with the, the enormous industry of weddings, there's, a, there's yeah. an expectation of so many elements. Everybody like knows and wants all of the elements, including like the, you know, the wedding lounge furniture and the wedding and the, you know, because when I would first try you to sell- You were one of the people that yes, started definitely, it. definitely, because I used to build that furniture because it wasn't rentable. That must have been hard to convince people in the beginning. Very, very, the idea now of how hard it was to explain to somebody like a cube and an ottoman when now, like the rental companies, all yeah. carry that as right. like wedding furniture or event yeah. furniture. Decor, they call it's it. It's just, it's. Yeah. <laughs> but there was so. That must have been impossible to convince someone in the, the beginning. The, like, like where where are they going to sit, and what if they have to lean back, and what you know the whole. I'll tell you how when we started working together, you were the first person. Believe it or not, this makes us sound ancient, but you were the first person who brought sushi in. So Which was never that, at weddings. Nobody could. The, the first. Like I, people were like floored. Like what the hell is this? This is great. And and I was like, that's my friend Susan Helen. She's like always thought at outside the box. Because I mean, you define the it, term you outside so the box. It, thank you. But it that sushi idea really when I had this little tiny catering company and I had an apartment on the on Park Avenue near my grandmother because she didn't want me to like live far away. I remember away. that apartment and, very well. No, you you know me from Fifth Avenue downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is like in the late 70s when I first okay. moved here. I had a small apartment okay. with a yeah, that small, yeah. you know. I looked for other vendors <laughs> who could supplement the food that I was making because I couldn't produce enough food and enough variety of food for the, you know, for the size of my staff and the size of my company. And so with the rule that I would only buy things that were better than I could make of that thing, you know, so mm. it was never, it was never for convenience. Only. Yeah, 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 was, yeah. And there was a Japanese restaurant, one of the first restaurants in New York that had sushi on Lexington Avenue, a small restaurant. And I remember the sushi being great. And I saw the sushi and I thought, like the perfect order. It is the perfect and, order. And, and, and made definitely better by, you know, Eastern hands or Eastern trained hands. I used to include sushi at no cost. I don't know, cold fish on rice. <laughs> yeah, like that's right. Terrible. It was, it was not a thing. But it, but it is, aside from that description, it really is a food like pizza, like hamburgers. It's like an artisan... But it's completely experience. a part of our culinary landscape now. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh, of course. It's, it's the food that kids eat. In, in so me giving you credit is not far off. No, I, th I, I, I think I'm sure did. there was somebody, or I imagine that there was somebody thinking of I'm it at the same time, but I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> that and lounge furniture, I'm taking credit for And I remember and the furniture. I'm also taking credit, as long as we're here doing this, for small plates for not doing sit-downs because I mean I started really doing weddings not by design but because when Martha Stewart when she started the weddings magazine and right after Martha Stewart living there was Martha Stewart weddings which I don't know if it still exists and at the time that she started it she was still giving credit to vendors you know which she later stopped doing so I was one of the three caterers that she highlighted. Oh, so you were? In that first issue. And that first issue was so powerful. I also did the design. 
of the wedding that I did. It was three women, which I don't know if she chose on purpose women, but it was a, a, caterer, a caterer from Washington who has an enormous company now that I, that we used her staff at the White House. I can't think of her, can't think of her name. And, right. a, and a caterer in San Francisco. And, and you. And people would come into the loft like with, with the magazine. You know, so like, I mean, I knew it wasn't just like I read about you and they would come like with the magazine, like I like, you know, they wanted, there was something, there was in my, <laughs> in my presentation, um, in the party that they photographed, which was a setup party for the magazine, Cheryl Kleinman did something for that, for that issue called the Petal Cake. Is this you before Sylvia Weinstock started doing the Sylvia flowers? Sylvia Weinstock was already really in business, but right. in the same way that when I worked with you initially, probably Stephen Scott and already Hank Lane would be like the mm -hmm. like the Sylvia Weinstock of, right. of oh, music, okay. right? So Sylvia the Kleinfelds, right? <laughs> right. So it wouldn't. It, somebody who was coming to me didn't didn't want to be going to like Fred Marcus or Hank Lane or I mean I would naturally didn't fall into those, the vein of that work anyway, but also it was kind of incumbent upon me as a non-mainstream choice to not select, main, they weren't really mainstream, but like, and Cheryl did this petal cake, which was just really a wedding cake with instead of having flowers and, you know, it was all covered only with petals, so like a sort of deconstructed, instead of it being whole heads of flowers, right. it's just like the petal, Oh, right. so like it could be part of a rose. Exactly. But the petal All the, of a rose. Exactly, just the petals. Oh, I'm that's sure if you great Google idea. petal cake, you it would it would come up. Yeah. But from that month, everybody would come in and I want the petal cake. So, but that changed my business because I would never have nat had a natural inclination towards weddings. It you know as I so said, was Martha Stewart. So Martha was you Stewart. someone in San Francisco and someone in Washington? Yes. Wow. And I, I mean, and I had would, you worked with her before? She just like, no, but I remember, I remember being interviewed and doing a presentation for her to to be to be included in included. And I don't think I understood at the time. I mean, she was already very powerful, but she became more powerful after the weddings magazine. Yeah. Not yeah. not as a result of me in any way, but that magazine then impacted Martha Stewart Living, which then, you know, they both impacted each other. So she was important and she had huge offices and she was, you know, a big deal, but not, I didn't expect it to have the the impact and I didn't have the, you know, the kind of concomitant hysteria about whether or not to, I was going to be the one selected in the way that you know, right, I really right, understood right, right. the impact. That it had. So then I started doing more weddings, and really, after 9/11, kind of really jumping forward, where yeah. I had I was thinking before 9/11 to move my company more in the direction of not of social parties, but of doing. In, in particular, then I wanted to do kind of fashion and art-related parties. I feel like for me, the doing doing the Obama White House really. I didn't make that. Tell, as I want my you to talk to me goal. about the Obama White House. Yeah, you know, just oh, that man. when I met with him, I didn't really understand that the meeting that I was having with him 
was was an interview for like the, all of the rest of the state dinners for the Obama administration. I did. I just thought that he was going to include me in an event of some sort or another. And and I met with him, and I and you know and we went to the congressional dining room, and I mean I ordered some kind of fish with with like that I had to debone, which is like I couldn't possibly eat. And then he walked me through the White House. So it was um, just the two of you? Yeah. Wow. And 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 I remember the gold fabric of the of the drapes in the in the East Room. It's just, it, I just couldn't and I wasn't with anybody to go like <laughs> look at this. You know. Are you kidding? And and he said, "Well, you'll at the end of the meeting, he said, and you'll be doing at that time he told me that I would be doing all of the all of the state dinners and I had met with him in New York for various meetings. So, you know, I mean, I, I worked. So what years are we talking about? Just give, so just give us an idea. The, the last three years of their term. So he was. Um, we worked for them 2012 or 2013 to 2017. And then you did every. Not every, but many. And most, most of the state dinners during that time period. And then the African summit. And, and we did a kind of sort of an audition party in a way before we did the first mm -hmm. state dinner that was a, some kind of council of the arts dinner that was not a sit down it was like it's not the a biggest, cocktail reception yeah. but but you know just well staying just, away from politics we should probably yes, we, yes. we should probably end <laughs> yes. the end yes. any political thing of 2016 yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, the obamas were always so fascinating to me I mean, I met the president a number of times at the because at the when they do a receiving line, they the the people who have produced the party and the artists oh. that have performed, everybody gets to meet them and have that like handshake. Oh, so you're and part of the and, handshaking. Yeah, I have all line. those images of us with the and Erica and not Emily, but the other women who work for me. But but with the first lady. I really spent a lot of time because you do quite extensive presentations, very, very elaborate, kind of full-throated presentations for her. Basically, you give her three choices. Um, and as a designer, that was, for me, really challenging because the three choices are in one room together. They're in, like, the East Oh, room. and she literally... She, and, oh, and so you have full, to mock up. You, but full, like like old-time 80s presentation, full flowers, really? full like, lighting, all the china, or everything in like three separate vignettes. But when she walks into the room, those three things need to like look good together because, it's because she's like seeing them all. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be three things that look really good together but are unique totally unique from each other, not just like a different color palette of each other. Right, 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 right. Express very, very different points of view. You know, loosely, let's say, something very stark and modern, something very organic, and something very formal. Mm -hmm. You know, just to yeah, yeah. make those categories. And, and doing that, making those three pieces um, resonate well with each other and also have completely different, distinct sounds is something that I applied to a very large Orthodox wedding, because I also have worked a fair amount in the ultra-Orthodox 
community, Jewish community. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Bizarre. That's something I've never done. Yeah, you you wouldn't be able to because unlike their flower needs, which right. are to you know in in a sense universal to what everybody else's flower needs would be, their food needs and their music needs because the music oh so specific reflects yeah it's not and it's only on the men's that. side. I yeah. mean, it's completely different the music, but the flowers are not. The, the design isn't, and they. I was the first. Um, kind of non-Orthodox Jewish designer. Did they deal with you because you were a woman? Oh. Were they able to talk to I'm you? I'm a about? very unlikely choice for them because they yeah. would be less able to talk to me as a woman, less. Right. But my introduction to that world was w with a somewhat progressive, at least aesthetically progressive, Orthodox couple. And mm -hmm. that led that led me to other other Orthodox families, but but the whole Orthodox, the market for the Orthodox, because I would say now, 15 years later or 20 years later, there isn't a designer that hasn't worked in that community. David Mann, not Preston Bailey, not any 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 of the big name designers have all worked in the ultra-Orthodox oh, no okay. community. So that community, as it's gotten more global itself, you know, as it went from like... Just wealthier and... Just, yeah, and, yeah, and it's a global business because it's hedge funds and it's 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 international. So they, yeah. by nature, their, their sophistication level has risen, you know. In this instance, it was a very large party and the the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom had completely different, a completely different aesthetic. And so from making a, a room work with three arrangements or presentations of completely different aesthetics. I made a room that went across the room sort of in an ombre from one style it was like, almost like an art to another. In, but You're going from the, from the, the Renaissance right. to the exactly. classics to the exactly. Impressionists. It would be like if you went from, from Rembrandt to Picasso yeah. and then but made that arc in between so that it all looked good together and it was only a matter of interest that that happened. Right. Certainly the industry is is a larger, healthier industry. The whole, you know, all the permutations of event planning and, and, the, and the power that events have in, you know, in branding and in marketing, how integrated they are, yeah. that, that's... So the the you know it seems it seems to me that the like larger event design firms have opened also like experiential marketing arms because events and branding and marketing and creating you know sort of creating ephemeral experiences is basically what's it's events used to be a party I mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but that's not to say that, that it also doesn't have more dimension because it's thought about differently. You know, it's like you could say, one could say in the end, it's a party and it's like not different than it was, but it, it but it is different. I mean, in this, in this kind of like aspirational mode, I mean, a, a wedding in the, if, if, you know, if you think about like the gown or what the, what the gown means, which I'm not exactly sure, but. You know, it's, it isn't an ordinary day with everybody just... It could be that, and there are people for whom that's a goal. Like it's, oh, I see. It's, so a, if you it's a party, if, not a wedding. So a it's really a question about say. the money. 
No. Really? I think it's intent. I mean, I think that you could, you could, you know, rent Ohika Castle. Yeah. Or you could rent a Long Island party room that's a crystal palace, mm -hmm. and it reflects your, you know, your romantic notion of something that's not within your daily life where, you, where you're a princess and where you have maids of honor and where it's all focused on you and where you're also, you know, presumably, you know, sharing with community this, like, really momentous life milestone. You know, that could be as a fantasy or, or anything in between it just being... Because there are a lot of people who, who begin by saying, you know, I... I, I want it to be a party, not a wedding. And by that, I, I, I understand them to mean they want it to be something that feels warm and familiar yeah. and accessible. Yeah. But family you could want it to feel with grand and extravagant. Oh, that's why I used the word aspirational a couple of times. I mean, aspirational in that photography means to implies to me that it's something you know, that you want it to be that it isn't. Like they want it to be the black and white, Andy Warhol, be, black and white ball. Yeah, and what did he want? What did he wanted that to be some, you know, Parisian party in the 20s when he made that ball. Okay. And yeah, they yeah. wanted it to be... So there's some, you know, some... I mean, I think a huge difference is if you want to share or if you want to show off. If you want to share, whatever you're sharing is that the intent of that sharing is experienced in that way by whether you're sharing caviar or a hot dog. You mm -hmm. know, it's like if you're serving caviar to be to show off that you can, it feels very differently than if you're serving caviar to be generous and extravagant with your friends. That's interesting. So I think that there can be, I mean, I, the most extravagant, not counting, you know, not counting the prestige of the White House, but the most extravagant party that I ever did, series of parties, was a ultra-Orthodox um, bar mitzvah and weekend, which was like <clears throat> 800 people at Cipriani for dinner, wow. and then a weekend, which meant making, making the Four Seasons in Palm Beach completely kosher for the weekend. Which is in itself of an unbelievable. I mean, I didn't do the food, but it was enormously extravagant. But or not, but and completely generous. Nothing oh, oh, about okay. it was. It was showing off in a yeah, sense of. But they had it the was money. Showing off to share. It was showing and 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 in the Orthodox community because the whole community is invited. It is really sharing oh, you know, from really? the barber to the banker. So, so I think you can be bizarrely extravagant, which means something very different to everybody, anyway, to different people. Um, but, but sharing or showing. I had to get you in because she, uh, listen, you invented you know sushi at weddings and bringing in furniture and you know what else I remember you brought in like 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 family photos. So it felt like a, do a, like a part of the living room. <laughs> Still do that. And see, I'm I'm here to give you total credit for it. Everybody who works in the industry, the things that they pioneered when they're, you know, 
I mean, some of them are like trendy and just last for a moment, and that's great too. But yeah. they also all have become a part of the vocabulary of weddings. I mean, you know, like like Preston Bailey's vertical orchids are ubiquitous, I yeah. think, globally. Yeah, you yeah. Know, right. So and and Harriet hats and because I was Harriet's caterer for the first eight or ten years. Oh, of, really? Of, Gourmet advisory services. So we developed a lot of, you know, like Peking duck. And I remember sitting with Harriet, who, who either either us in combination or one or the other of us. But you know, it was like thinking about how I love Peking duck. Well, how would you how would you translate that into an hors d'oeuvre? And we went from the pancake to making it a cup, and so, you know, so it's it's hard to remember that Peking duck or sushi. Were ever not a part of the, but you know, sometimes people don't have the language to know how who and what they are translates right. into, you know, into entertaining or into flowers or into like you would do the same thing with music. Well, you are the best. Thank you. You are the best. This has been great. You and we'll continue. Absolutely. I honestly just love that woman. She really is so creative and, and brilliant. I, I, she's, I think 20 years ago, she invented the term thinking out of the box. I'll have to give her credit for that too. So check us out on Instagram at Doug Winters Inc. Check out our latest clips and photos from weddings we did. We just did one at the Wife Hotel, also in Brooklyn. We're in Brooklyn a lot lately. Um, so yeah, check us out on Instagram and also on Facebook and Twitter, all at Doug Winters Inc. INC. Let me know who you'd like to have on as guests on the Wedding Wisdom Podcast, and I will see you next week. Bye now.